everybody. Welcome to another edition of Rebel Parenting. I am your host, Ryan Dobson, with my wife, Laura. Doing Hi, everybody. A, look at that. Live <laughs> intro today. We have guests in the studio. I am excited. Are you catching us on Rebel Live? Uh, Rebel Live went off today. I don't even know if I'm going to post that one later on. It was so crazy. But it is Monday, Wednesday, Friday, facebook.com slash Dobson. You can get the links on our webpage, rebelparenting.org. Today we have another first. It is our first time having a guest in for the third time. <laughs> yep. Nice. Tim and Ann Evans, our counselors, our mentors, the people that have helped shape our marriage into what it is today, are back in the studio. Tim and Ann, thanks for coming over. So we, good to be here with you today. We can neither confirm nor deny that we've counseled this couple. So <laughs> I love no. you, Tim. We don't even know who they are. <laughs> who yeah. are they? I can confirm it for sure. And we here's, are thankful to have you guys on the air today. I especially love it when Tim comes over because he always brings me donuts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know I get treats. Um, no, we really are excited. And you know, it's our third time and we feel like we could do it 10 times because it's definitely. just such a joy mm-hmm. to be with you guys and to share our mutual hearts for God and for marriage and all the untapped kingdom advancing potential Amen. in this to become one naked without shame description God said of the first married couple before sin. Mm. That's right. Well, I mean, you guys helped shape our marriage. I remember early on you were talking about the hierarchy in marriage, things like that. And I grew up obviously very conservative, traditional, and didn't know how much I agreed with it. And yet our marriage kept getting better and better. And I thought, well, everything they keep telling us to do is working. <laughs> it's, you know... It, it is a it is an internal struggle to wrestle with when you think you disagree with somebody theologically and yet their marriage is working, their life is working, yours is all the things that you were doing and we started getting into it. It really helped our marriage a lot. Then you wrote Naked, which was fantastic. I don't think we've had more requests for a giveaway than, that. than <clears throat> why you and your spouse need to schedule sex and how to have it more frequently and that's what we want to talk about today. We want to break it down. We've had some general programs with you. We want to talk specifically today about scheduling sex. And this is what I've gotten pushed back on. Well, then it's not romantic. Then it's not spur yeah. of the moment. Then it's not fun. And, you know, all those types of things. And typically that would come from a female partner. You know, Usually. I think. The complaints, yeah. If you tell a man, hey, we're going to guarantee you have sex once a week, every week at this time. He'd be like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> Check that box. Uh, <laughs> Why is it though, because you have a lot of people that are like, yeah, but if I'm not in the mood and if I don't really respect him right now, or if we're not quite getting along, if if all the stars aren't in alignment, I don't feel we should be having sex. And you're saying, no, 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 no. Foundational to a marriage. Not only should you, if you're not having it regularly, you got to stop what you're doing, schedule it because it really, why is sex that important to a marriage? Hmm. Wow, a lot of questions. Yeah, a lot in of there. questions. <laughs> Let's start with that. Let's start yeah. with why, why is it? Yeah, yeah. That's a great, why that's, is it that's such a good start? That's a good bi- start. It's so big that you believe people should schedule it if they're not having it all the time regularly. Right. We believe sex is important in marriage because it's part of God's creational design. You know that a man and a woman become one flesh, and we don't limit one flesh to just you know intercourse and orgasms. One flesh is a total spirit, soul, body experience with a spouse. So it's extremely important. In addition, it's the only relationship that you're encouraged, some would say commanded, to participate sexually is within the context of a one 
flesh till death to mm-hmm. us part mm-hmm. marriage covenant so it's extremely important so i think sometimes mm-hmm. sex and the um, consequences of it we can't even quantify sometimes we don't even have words for it but let me ask the listeners when you're connected sexually with your spouse is there a difference between how you feel toward them how you feel toward life how you feel toward yourself mm-hmm. and when you're disconnected mm-hmm. because tim and i always say when we're connected spirit soul and body i feel like we're a powerhouse like yeah. there's nothing that can stop us uh, of course there are things that can stop us but we feel so much stronger feel so invincible. much more united that's right you know uh, listen I, this isn't a uh, I, i'm not up here to share dirty laundry or you know all that kind of stuff and it was about a month or so ago. I forget what was going on, but I was having a tough time. I was struggling. There was some turmoil going on. And I was talking to Laura. She called just to check up on me, which is, it's not a new thing, but it's a newer thing in the way that she does it. And I just felt like, oh my goodness, she totally cares about me. She knows I'm struggling today. And we were talking. She goes, how are you doing? And I said, I'm all right. You know, I'm getting some stuff done. She goes, listen, when you get it done, just come home. Let's do it. You'll feel better. And, and I went, what? And she goes, come home. Let's do it. And you'll feel better. And I went, oh, oh, oh okay, uh, I'm going to get my work, yeah, okay. And I hung up, and I'm, I, I was a little bit shocked, and I was a little taken aback, and, but I thought, you know what, she's right, and what an amazing thing. She knows me so well. I'm sad, I'm struggling, I'm stuck on some of these things, and she knows I'm going to feel so much more connected with her. It hasn't always been that way, but I just thought, I thought, you know what, we're going to get through this. I felt like we could take on the world, and I felt like... We were doing it together. I didn't feel alone in the struggle. It's funny that you say that because I was just reading a blog and it talked about sometimes we try to make the solutions to everything so complicated. Yeah. Like how totally. do we, you know, how do we increase sexual intimacy? And it just sounds like we need to get our PhD before we move forward. But how about if we just started today, listeners, just being kinder to one another, just paying attention to one another, just checking in, just emotionally connecting. I wonder if that could be the first step toward um, deeper intimacy. And when you said that, I'm so sorry, I'm going to have to pull a random <laughs> analogy in. When you said, how do you have better sexual health? I was reminded when I got into, I was getting ready for my very first fight. I was taking Muay Thai, ended up not taking the fight. That's a longer story. And my coach, we were doing punching drills and he kept saying, everybody always asks me, how do you punch faster? How do you punch faster? And I was like, that's a good question. How do you punch faster? Because you want to know how you punch faster? And I go, yeah. And he goes, you punch faster. And I was like, what? And he goes, yeah, punch fast. He goes, go to the bag. Not that complicated. And start hitting it as fast as you can over and over. And if you do that every day, you're going to start punching really, really fast. How do you have more sex in your marriage? Well, you start having sex. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you start having sex and then as problems arise, like issues arise or anger arises or resistance mm-hmm, arises, mm-hmm, you deal with mm-hmm. it at that point. Instead of standing back and making it a um, a head process where you're thinking about it, reading about it, praying about it, but never really engaging. Hmm. Let's go over that a little bit. I like that. You're thinking about it, you're engaging it, you're not actually doing it. Right. So talk to the person that says, I don't know, what if I'm not in the mood? And we've already said it's Thursday night and we're going to have sex tonight. Like... What do you do? Are you preparing for, I mean, you know, you're telling couples, listen, it's been a while. We've not had regular sex and we're feeling a little disconnected. And you're like, listen, we've got the PDF. It's entitled why you and your spouse need to schedule sex. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I was going to say, go ahead, you know, throughout Naked, we talk about that because, mm-hmm. you know, we could go a lot of different directions to answer that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and from the beginning, we'd say, you know, that First Corinthians 7, 20, those who marry will have troubles, Ann and I have 
had marital troubles. Mm. Even after 40 years, truth be told, we continue to have marital troubles. So mm. if you're having troubles, you're normal. Yeah. It's okay. okay. Thank you. Everybody so, out there listening, it's okay. It's totally, okay. Totally. And it's okay not to be okay. Then what are God's purposes yeah. for marriage? If you're struggling, not so much about timing, location, positions, frequency, what is God's purposes for marriage? We have a whole chapter on that. And then even kind of unpack with your spouse, what is sex? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Most blogs and more popular authors than are saying sex is one one Either or, or both experience an orgasm, a physical climax, you know. We would expand on that and say think, we, they, we think sex can be a total body massage without an orgasm. It's, it's connecting in spirit, in soul, in, and in body, that miracle and mystery of two becoming one. Mm-hmm. So when you look at sex you know, from a larger framework, there's a lot of ways you can become sexually active. You know, I think of a couple we counseled, she'd love to have a foot massage more than she'd like to have an orgasm. So we looked at the guy and said, okay, what are you picking up at this gathering? And he's like, she wants her feet rubbed. We're like, yeah. There you go. They come back for a six-month checkup. She's smiling ear to ear, and he rubs my feet almost every day. And he says, I've had more sex than we've had in 10 years of marriage. Mm -hmm. You know, they got to know each other's love language and and different propensities and bents and even sexual bents. We write about that in the book. Maybe this is a little bit off track, but it's going back to the questions that you started with. I think a lot of times I remember when I first got married, um, I was an idealist about certain things. Mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. an idealist about what a wife looked like, um, what dinner looks like mm-hmm. at night, what parenting looks like. And sex was included in on that. I think sometimes when we talk about scheduling sex, we have to deal with our romantic idealism and yeah. kind of put it aside and say, you know what, a lot of things in life that I thought it should be this way is more of a fantasy. So when I mm. hold a romantic, idealistic picture of what sex is going to look like, then we have to be on the same page. It has to be a good day. I have to be rested. And it's like in the real life. Throw some kids into that. Yeah, That's throw some kids. Happen. Yeah, throw life the happens. flu into that. Throw I need a little flowers, need a little candle, mm-hmm. need a little romantic music, little dim lights, kids out of the house. <laughs> this is where Hollywood has robbed us I, if we give ourselves to that romantic. Right. Yeah, I yeah, know yeah. a lot of women do. Right. You want your first time to be all with romance. Roses or lights and candles and special. And, and there's nothing wrong with no. those times, right? right? I mean, but that isn't routine. It's almost, and you're not saying you can't ever have that absolutely. or that's not ever necessary. Mm-hmm. It's just not required for it. Uh, when we went to have Lincoln, we started getting emails and phone calls and texts from every birthing movement you could imagine. I mean, it was... Lamaze and La Leche and Natural and uh, what's the shot? epidural and all of this and we went to our doctors stressed out of our gourd he goes hey here's the deal if you go home with a baby you win that's your goal your goal is baby how you get there hey whatever you want man you want to do it natural great if in the middle of it you gotta have a c-section you have to have you know drugs to get your baby out and you go home with a baby you still win and i was like oh Sometimes that's so true. And sometimes when I uh, when we normalize sex and don't put it in a separate category, think about any other area of your life. Like you eat two or three times a day. Sometimes you sit down and have a gourmet meal or go Mm -hmm. to a special restaurant or have Mm -hmm. fine dining experiences. But most of the time you're just eating, like putting nutrition, putting gas in the tank. Yeah. And I don't want to compare sex to putting gas in the tank, but I wish we'd normalize it a little bit and say, um, I don't say to myself, well, I'm too tired to eat or I didn't get a good night's sleep because I didn't eat or things aren't perfect 
because so I won't eat. It's like I continue yeah. eating and having nutrition and exercising and parenting and paying my bills. Hasn't it been our experience often feelings come into the sentence whenever we start talking about sexual frequency about specifically feelings. with a cu- with a couple i don't feel like mm-hmm. it i'm not in the mood it's like or, or the other side i have a headache why i can't do it or whatever and we remind him you are not your feelings mm-hmm. yeah okay. you know yeah. when you were a child everything is about your feelings and how you felt mm-hmm. but when you become a woman or a man it's time to put away childhood things well and guess how you're going to feel in about an hour from now and grow up exactly because you're not feeling great now but in about an hour pretty sure you feel pretty good yeah and, sure. and absolutely do not hear us saying that feelings don't play an important yes. role we're just saying they shouldn't dominate or trump um, yeah. because I think a lot of times with sexual intimacy things do pop up mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. are sure. like wow this is not okay or I'm having some um, areas where I need forgiveness forgiving myself forgiving other people I need mm-hmm. to go over Healing. my sexual all those things so I'm saying pay attention to yeah, that yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but don't let them dominate. Well, right. listen, this is a great transition. Let's talk about the uh, contract. Yeah. That's a perfect thing. Because here's, I, I didn't even. Well, sexual agreement. Yeah, your sexual agreement. Open it up. Let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. This sexual agreement's a really interesting thing because, uh, listen, it's 2017. When you get into a relationship with somebody, there are all kinds of things you don't know about that person. And at this, and here's what I'm saying. You don't know what their past is. You don't know what they've seen online or anything else. But we make tons of assumptions. Well, I like this. I'm sure my spouse likes that too. Or doesn't everybody like that? Or isn't this make everyone feel good? You're bringing up, it's kind of like a premarital thing in a way. You're bringing up lots of questions and lots of, and you're like, whoa, I've never thought about that before. In a neutral setting to where you can discover what your spouse wants. Yeah. So you're not right in the middle of sex and when someone's going, ow, hey, what's that? No, you know, I didn't kind of thing. So again, normalizing it like finances, a premarital couple would uh, sit down and they'd say, this is how I do finances. Mm. This is how you do it. Why don't we try it this way together? And we'll check in with each other in two or three months and see if that's working. If not, we'll make adjustments. Mm. We never think to do that with sex because again, we've got that romantic idealism where we think it's going to just happen naturally and two stars are going to come together in an explosion. And there's other couples that use it to withhold. You know, oftentimes, mm. sure. one, you know, typically a yeah. uh, husband and wife have different sexual frequency desires. They're different yeah. people. It makes perfect sense. It's how they communicate and negotiate and reach agreement on mm. that. So let's say the wife has a higher sexual uh, desire for frequency, and the husband's really happy, let's say, once a week. Mm-hmm. Again, and there are no numbers. There's no biblical number for how often we should be having sex. So we get that on record. But it's like, yeah. you know, there could be a way that the person with the lower sex drive could withhold yeah. and not meet their spouse's sexual desired frequency yeah. or other things you know we have a whole book of different things that we well, and talk how much about is that the hacky sitcom thing like i want a new bathroom so i'm gonna withhold sex to my exactly. husband gets me well, a new bathroom i mean yeah. it's but that it's so typical that it's done with normalcy because it's so typical it's so in our zeitgeist it's so in our cultural norm withholding sex is the way you get what you want or if you do it you're just not really engaged in the process or I know know some women yeah just check out and sit Mm -hmm. there and it's like hey that's not supportive because it's the obligation thing like ugh, and that's the thing you're talking about 
that you're not saying when you're talking about scheduling sex, like, well, I guess if this is the time you need to do it, I'm just going to lay here and here we go. That's not sex. Yeah. And it's allowing yourself to be introspective. Like Laura, let's say you just gave the example of checking out, which a lot of women or men will say, sometimes I just check out. Mm. Well, that's interesting. That would be a good question to ask yourself. I wonder why I check out. Mm -hmm. Um, when that's going on. I wonder why I check out when things aren't going my way. I wonder, and that could lead to deeper healing. Mm -hmm. So I think sometimes sex has the potential to uh, connect us to a lot of healing that God's inviting us to. Instead, we just dismiss it and keep moving. So the sexual agreement, the frequency part is just one, you know, chapter, so Mm -hmm. to speak. Mm -hmm. When we work with couples in their sexual intimacy to advance, with God first and then one another. We talk about God's purposes for sexual intimacy. We talk about understanding and processing their sexual histories, sexual imprinting, breaking soul ties. You know, there's reasons for the the way we do things, the decisions we make, there's reasons for that. Sometimes when you agree to a sexual agreement and all of a sudden the man or woman just isn't able to fulfill it, then it's an invitation to grow in intimacy Mm -hmm, with God. mm -hmm. Do some, like Ann said, some introspection. Get some counsel. And couples that do the work, and it is work, it's the road less traveled, they report back that really their intimacy increases exponentially, and specifically their sexual satisfaction as well as their soulgasm and all the rest. Mm. Well, Tim, I know you just dropped some kind of big verbiage, big words. So you're listening, you don't understand what soul ties are or some of those things. Can people... Go into your books and get more clarity on those Absolutely. issues. That, okay, Absolutely, great. yeah. Mm-hmm. Just to and clarify. quite frankly, because I know we, I hadn't heard. We were of in the church forty like, years what? before we ever heard that term. Yeah, okay. and now yeah. we share it with other counselors and colleagues, and we're getting unbelievable feedback. Mm-hmm. Just saying a simple mm-hmm. prayer to break any connection from a past relationship. If a listener is just being stirred by that, yeah, get the book, read that yeah. chapter, say the prayers, and we're pretty. You know, well, we don't have a lot of guarantees, God, but like, it, in God your works. Book, you say, sorry, Tim, you say God is pro-sex. Amen. Yeah. God is for you. So if you're listening and you're like wanting more of what God has for you, this might be the opportunity to dive in mm-hmm. and check it out and see what's yeah. available. And even on the other end of the spectrum, if you hear that phrase, God is pro-sex and something inside of you just shrivels and says, oh my gosh, that doesn't even, I don't even want to put God and sex in the same mm-hmm. sentence. It doesn't feel right. Well, that's a good place to start. I wonder why I feel that mm-hmm. way. I wonder why I feel like God isn't um, the creator of sex. He isn't for it. He isn't wanting me to enjoy that part of my life. That'd be a good question to yep. investigate with the Lord, with a professional counselor. I think, uh, Tim, when you said before, looking at your family history, mm. looking at soul ties, looking at um, sexual imprinting. Sexual imprinting. Yeah. I mean, come on, let's be realistic. How many people start out marriage looking at that in order to start a strong sexual connection with their yeah, partner? Very, very, very few. Po- very so it's few. not totally yeah. dysfunctional or an affair occurred. And then they're like, wait, right. how do we repair? Sure. We like to refer to it as sure, adultery. Sure. We adultery. always, yeah. Okay, yeah. Well, Our culture calls it an affair. It's like it's adultery and that has to be dealt with in yeah. a whole different way. But the reason that I said that is since so few of us start out that way, yeah. I think that when flags come up, up and our sexual connection and um, we experience difficulties, that's really a good God bringing us back, inviting us back to the healing that we never got to begin with. Mm -hmm. So marriage, unlike any other relationship, is such an opportunity to um, invest in our own healing. Mm -hmm. Tim, you started off that last section by talking about histories and things like that. How much of your past sexual history do you feel you ought to discuss with your spouse? You know, do you get into specifics? Who, what, all those types of, because some people ask. In fact, we coach couples 
And I've had a wife sit down with her husband and go, you need to tell me literally everything you've done with every person. I want to know it all. And it destroyed them, destroyed them. Yeah. And yet what you're talking about, you have past, you, most people getting married today have past soul ties. Most people getting married today have baggage of some sort in the sexual realm that you need to work on and, and deal with. So therefore, quote unquote, how honest should you be? Yeah, we, we get asked that often. And, I bet. You know, I think the, the golden answer, if you will, is mm-hmm. you, you guys know our acronym, IOTL. IOTL. In, involve God. It says in the Bible, if you lack wisdom, wait, wait, wait. ask wisdom. IOTL is? Inquire of the Lord. There you go. You know, we made little plaques. All our grandkids have those. All we've our kids have those. It's like include God because we've had people after a marriage gathering come up to us and our definition of intimacy is to know and be fully known. And I remember one man in particular says, I want to know everything about my wife's sexual past. I want to grow in intimacy. But remember, to know and be fully known, I mean, I don't want to say always, never, but I, I've never heard somebody say, I prayed and asked the Lord, and he told me to report every name and specific incident with nope. my spouse. Remember, God sees not as man sees. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God sees the heart. Mm. He's so much more interested in the process of our heart. Um, what do you, what we yeah. talk about in intimacy to know and be fully known is I want to show you my heart and my heart is I'm not perfect. I've made mistakes and mm-hmm. here's my process that I've gone through with the Lord and this is the forgiveness I've received. And so it's talking to your spouse vulnerably about the process, mm-hmm. not about the facts. And experience wise, yeah. after 40 years of marriage and counseling couples <laughs> for 30 plus years, the couples that demand the details. Yeah. They're back in our office regretting it. Yep. Their mind is flooded. The enemy. Say it again. Them. You can't. Yeah, I want, listen, yeah. I want every single person to hear because in, and I know people are going through hard times right now. I can sense it. When I was going through my divorce, I was in a group of separated men and one of the guys came to the group and said, listen, I've done this thing and it's really, really tearing me up inside. And he had hacked his soon to be ex-wife email. And it read all the things she had said to her parents and friends about him and all the things those people had said about him back and was devastated. And I mean, wrecked, didn't know how to function, had lost virtually all of his friends hearing the things they were saying, saying what they thought was in private behind his back uh, and needed help and healing. And I wasn't surprised, but I was surprised at how many guys then tried to get help hacking their ex's email so they could read all that stuff Mm. too and that's where we're talking about now this is a disaster you're saying in all of your years of counseling when someone says you must tell me everything they're back in going that was a disaster i can't get it out of my head i wish i never had those on my hard drive there you go because you can't exactly you can't unlearn that stuff and there is an enemy that loves to destroy intimacy so he'll start watering those seeds and this is what i want to tell people out there because i think men struggle with this a lot i think women do too but i want to talk to both of you and say if you're married guess what you won if laura has a past it doesn't matter i won i'm with her this is my wife we are one We are together. This is one flesh. Everything else is in the past. Now, if it affects our marriage today, then let's deal with that kind of stuff. But I am not competing against anybody else that's out there. Laura's not competing against my ex-wife or ex-girlfriends from the past. There is nobody else except my wife. I don't need that. You know, when we come to a relationship with Christ, we hear the difference between religion and relationship. Religion is all about following the rules. Relationship is being related to the living God. And I think sexuality... Um, sharing the facts can be compared to religion. It's the law. And 
Intimacy, mm. the way God speaks about it, is really could be compared to relationship. When I say um, I want to know and be fully known by Tim, I mean I want to know his heart, his process, mm-hmm. his intent. Mm-hmm. Um, and none of that is um, answered by facts. It's all answered by um, your process. So often we encourage couples, <laughs> if necessary, maybe to uh, share the names of people or mutual friendships because they want to know, oh, I didn't know in college that this person hooked up with this person. But details we would strongly recommend not sharing. It's like, again, the enemy, you've heard us say this before, but he loves to have us living yep. in the past yep. or living in the future future to impact the present. So we encourage the couple, whatever we'll call it, you know, who's our standard couple, little ditty about Jack and Diane. Yeah, we tell Jack, Jack and, and Diane, Diane to live in the present, focus mm-hmm. on their needs, their desires, their longings, and even their sexual duty. And that's a passage that people kind of sometimes get torqued by or triggered by, but we are required according to Paul's letter in First Corinthians to fulfill a sexual duty to one another, but not in a punitive way, in a joyful way of being other-centered, stepping into the larger story, inviting God to, into the process, and meeting each other's sexual needs and desires. Um, can I just back up one minute before you move ahead to sexual duty? I wanted to say, um, could sharing your sexual past be something that you don't know how to do? Of course it could be. Mm. So instead of just experimenting and jumping into a conversation that you don't know how to do with your spouse or your fiance, how about if you go to a third party and say, these are some things I'd like to share. Could you help me negotiate mm. that conversation? Mm-hmm. For sure. I think sometimes we have too high of expectations for each other. We want to be each other's spouses and lovers and counselors and healers. And we can't be that for each mm-hmm. other. So I think mm-hmm. giving yeah. That's good. listeners permission to go outside of each other to learn how to have that conversation so that you can do it well. Because once you have it, like you said, Laura, it's hard to not know that then. It's, yep. it's already known. It's already in my head. Now I can't unlearn it. Mm-hmm. That's right. Well, yeah, and not placing um, burdens or things on your spouse that were never meant for him to carry, you know, right. I, I mean, I'm a believer. I believe in Jesus Christ. He, he is the one who saved me and healed me. He is the one Amen. that is going to make me whole. And I can't look to Ryan to fix me, to save me, to heal me. I need That's to so make good. sure I'm right with Jesus first. And then, okay, mm-hmm. Ryan and I have a shot. And <laughs> not only is it Laura's natural tendency to try to make me fix it, it's mine to want to and think I can. And then we get that skewed too because we ought to be going to the Lord every single time mm-hmm. and to say, I can't fix it. And Laura goes, I know my husband can't fix it, but together we're going to the Lord and he's going to fix it for us. But if she goes, I want my husband to fix it. And I go, I want to fix your problem. And we keep working together and we're working together on a marriage and we're working on our problems together, but we've excised the Lord out of that relationship, then we're failing. And isn't that another good question? I wonder why I do that. I wonder why we do that. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's because I don't really believe God's good or he's yep. personal or he cares about me. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't, all those, wouldn't all yeah. those be important things to get answered yes. that would directly affect your sexual yes. intimacy? Yeah. I think sometimes we look at that as like side information that we don't need to know. and We need to get back to how many times are we having and, sex this week? And, <laughs> right, because we yeah. want to make it... I Want, just tell me how to do law. it so we I can have law. it right. We want the yeah. law. We want the law. And yeah. isn't it interesting? Maybe that's why God didn't give us a number Amen. to invite us mm-hmm. to all right. these avenues. Back to what you said, Laura, triggered a thought. We regularly tell couples, certainly every week, if not every day, you know, your desire to be interdependent is pure gold. You're one. 
the two yeah. shall become one. But it can easily cross over to becoming codependent. Yes. Like you said, Laura, you're getting your security and your significance mm-hmm. from Ryan. Mm-hmm. Danger, danger, yep. danger. Get all that from your good father mm-hmm. and then bring that healthy, whole, healed Laura to your man and watch God work as mm-hmm. Ryan's doing likewise. And you guys are already doing that. So yeah, God. I think it's interesting that I probably almost any guest you have on, regardless of what topic they're talking about, the most important thing to have foundationally secure is how we relate to God, Mm -hmm. because everything flows out of that. For sure. Definitely. Well, and here's what I like, and I want to point it out to our listeners. There are so many marriage books, and there are so many parenting books, and I call them A plus B equals C. And it is behavior modification, and it's formulaic. And it assumes everybody is the same and responds and reacts the same. If you do these things, if A plus B, well, then your marriage will be better equals C. And it doesn't work that way. And that's why you're not giving a specific number because what it would say is A plus B equals C is if you want to have a better sex life in your marriage, you need to schedule it. And here's how many times exactly a week you need to schedule it. Here's the positions you ought to have. Here's how much cuddle time you have afterwards. Here's how much massage you do ahead of time. All those types of things as a control thing, you're saying it's time to have a bigger conversation. Mm. It's time to be more intimate with your spouse. It's time to get to know them on a bunch of different levels. It's time to have a conversation about how many times would you like to have it a week? Well, I'm a little bit different than you. Could we compromise on this? Could we try things for a while? It is an overriding principle that comes from scripture. It's not A plus B equals C. And that's why what you're writing works. Is it easy? No. And this is the thing too. A plus B equals C allows you to blame your spouse. Because I'm doing all the right things. It's about following the rules. It's about control. Well, I did this, this, and this. And the book said, if it's happiest baby on the block. If you do these eight things, your baby's going to fall asleep and you'll have the happiest baby on the block. But babies are different. They don't all respond to those five things. But if you've got that principle of, hey, your child needs an adequate amount of sleep. And if it takes them sleeping in your bed and making you uncomfortable to get that sleep, well, then guess what? That's what you'll do. And then as they get older... They won't need that, and you'll keep being fluid. But the overriding principle is they need X amount of sleep. What you're saying is you need sex for a healthy marriage. Now, if you go through a season where your wife's pregnant or going through a season or situation, well, then the number isn't there. But the principle is we know this is important. That's why we love this book. Yeah, it's not you guys. And I love I'd never heard you guys say that. It's not necessarily about the sexual intercourse. You can still be engaged and have a sexual um, experience with not actual penetration or whatever you want to say because we have a friend right now he is not able to move his legs aren't working right. so they are not physically able to do it and I feel like God has called them to still engage in such a way that they're honoring their covenant that got the gift the gift that God's given. absolutely mm-hmm. remember the largest erogenous zone in a human being's body male or female is our skin just touch. Mm. You know, you yeah. know the old studies when babies weren't touched after they were born totally, and they yeah. died? Totally. It's like, you know, if you're not touching each other in your marriage or if you're just limiting, you know, your sexual intimacy to penis-vagina intercourse, we would suggest you're way off base. Totally. Mm, That's a okay. spoke in the sexual intimacy wheel. That's but something we talked about because we had a couple we were coaching and for him, back rub equals sex. And his wife was like, my goodness, I mean... <sighs> Really? Like, how much more trigger-happy could you be? I get it. You're on my shoulders. You're down in the lower back. Boom! You know, clothes are off. We're doing it again. It's like, can you not just rub my back? Is that all you're really interested in? And that's where you're saying, listen, right. stop running for the finish line. Or that specific example, right? I remember a guy that, same thing. He's like, I'll, I'll rub her feet, but then I want to get to the good parts. Right. You know, his good parts was just intercourse. So we encourage 
the couple to experiment and have intercourse right away. Let him climax and then set the timer and give her a 30-hour massage with hot lotion. 30-hour. 30, 30, did I say 30-hour? Yeah, let's go 30-hour. Did I say 30-hour? Okay, 30-minute. Yeah. Correction. Like, Rewind the tape. How about let's start with 30 seconds? Yeah, but it's like a guy like that, that was really a challenge for him because you know what? He didn't want to give her a 30-minute massage. Yeah. Right. He wanted to give her a three-minute massage, have an orgasm, and go to sleep. So really, he was living, in, living yeah. in the smaller story. He was mm-hmm. the main character, and it was really all about him. And that's what his discerning that's wife says. Yeah. So when he right. turned around and said, oh, you don't mind giving a good body massage? Great. Well, have intercourse, have an orgasm, and then give her a massage for 30 minutes. And it surfaced a lot of stuff that to this guy's credit, I'm thinking of a specific man, he really worked through. He there really got go. healing and deliverance sure. And guess that. what? Is Amen. their marriage better? Way better. Is their sex life better? Exponentially better. Exponentially better. Are they happy and communicating? Yeah. Absolutely. And, and Absolutely. here's the other thing. I'll healing. bet if we went through their life, Tim and Ann, I bet if we went through their business and their spiritual life and their parenting and stress levels and all those other things, I bet those are different too. Because when you start grasping the larger picture, when you start giving of yourself, when you stop being selfish, when you stop being the narcissist that we're born, everything else in your life starts getting better. That's why you've got this, why you and your spouse need to schedule sex and how to have it more frequently. You're saying when you start behaving, when you're being nice to someone, we had Shannon Shanks on the other day talking about it. And when you, when you see in Ephesians, it says, uh, wives as if unto the Lord, you know, when her husband was saying, I don't even want to be with you. I wasted 10 years of my life. And she's saying, I'm not being nice to you. I'm being nice to the Lord. Mm-hmm. I'm honoring the Lord. I'm doing this as an act of worship. And guess what? They're married. Their mm. marriage is going well. Their kids begged them to stay together. Everything else is better. Well, when couples start responding as a team and co-leading together mm. and mm-hmm. taking ownership and responsibility and seeing themselves as one, how could every area of their life not be affected? Mm-hmm. So yeah. when they're connected sexually, they're connected more in parenting. They're mm. connected more in financing. It goes across the board. And that's why God keeps inviting us back yep. because there's some principles that he wants to invite us to healing. Circling back to one of your presenting questions, mm-hmm. if, if I may, I just want to read on page 98 in our book, Naked, and it's under the the heading of sexless marriage, because as it is good to put some numbers out there for yeah. listeners, because there are a lot of studies and information that we can reap wisdom from. It says this, in a sexless marriage, there's little or no sexual activity between spouses. A 1992 mm-hmm. National Health and Social Life survey found that of the unmar- of the married respondents, two percent reported no sexual intimacy in the previous year. The definition of a non-sexual marriage is often expanded to include couples where sexual intimacy occurs less than ten times annually, and in that case, twenty percent of couples in a National Health Survey would fall in that category. Hmm. According to Newsweek magazine, estimated fifteen to twenty percent of couples live in a sexless relationship. According to another study, up to ten percent of married couples under age fifty did not have sex the previous year. Among couples under the age 40, up to 20% reported having, having sex few times per month or per year. Now, it's important to note these studies didn't define, because we researched these before we listened to them, yeah. what sexual, you know, what I they, suspect yeah, it's intercourse, penis, vagina, intercourse, yeah. but irregardless, that's a lot of people struggling with sexual frequency. Yeah. And then under that, then I won't wonder, read it. But Tim, you wonder then wonder, why marriage why? is bad. Why do we have these, you know, these uh, uh, hacky stereotypes on sitcoms of of couples that get married? And the, here's the thing: this is our cultural knowledge. The best sex you ever have is before you're married or on your honeymoon, and then from that point on, it goes downhill to where it stagnates out. You don't have sex anymore. Husbands look at porn, drink beer. Wives complain about their deadbeat husbands. That's what our marriage is, and we wonder why we have such a marriage crisis. I mean, you just listed it. 
People aren't having sex in their right. marriage. Yeah. What right. is wrong with you? And after that, we have a whole section, which I won't read, on sexual anorexia, where a person, just like they starve themselves from food for a you know food yeah. uh, disorder, yes. this is they really starve themselves from sex. And that definitely needs to bring in more experts to yeah, walk them through that. For sure. For but sure. circling back, right, as far as the why, you know, when's the last time you heard a preacher, teacher, <laughs> counselor stand yep. up at a pulpit and say, God is pro-sex, what you said earlier, Laura. God is pro-sex. When a movie comes out about BDSM, why isn't there a series at every church yep. saying, okay, let's explore this. What does the Bible say? Right. What does it say about you know uh, honoring your body to those unmarried and honoring body your body to those who are married? It's like there's publishers who would never publish our book. We independently published purposefully because we could talk so about it. I'll go to the that. contents. Yeah. Redefining sexy, sexual preferences, sexual peeps, sexual frequency, timing, location, sexual mm-hmm. positions, yep. quickies, sex aids, sex during menstruation, personal hygiene, lust, masturbation, oral stimulation, oral sex, anal sex, BDSM. It's like that stuff needs to be talked among communities of faith yeah. appropriately so they can have information that connects to biblical principles. And looking at it from a bigger picture perspective, mm-hmm. I know mm-hmm. why that's not spoken about publicly and it, from the pulpit. And it's because there's so much shame around sex and there's so much of a need for pastors, leaders um, in the church to have their own sexual history processed and to yeah. receive forgiveness mm-hmm. and to receive freedom. See, the thing about sexuality is it's so secret and it's so hidden. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can be really connected to you guys as a couple and know nothing about your sexual sure. connection. So that's oh, yeah. an area where you can really hide and deceive people. Unless you're friends with us. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, True. everybody. So just again, just encouraging uh, people to take a look and be open to those secret places in their lives that literally impact every area of their life. Yeah. yeah. Can we get yeah. practical for a minute? You know, the, yeah. fire, the, the retired fire chief me is that yeah. you've given them a lot of information. Yeah. We do encourage you to invest in the book. It's the best $20 you'll spend as far as advancing an intimacy with God and your spouse. But the, the sexual intercourse frequency challenge, pray about it, number one, inquire the Lord, and then make a date with your spouse you know, I don't tell, not tell them which one. You who are spiritual in an attempt to restore the relation it talks about in Galatians. There you go. Make a date with your spouse and said, you know what? I'd like to, let's try a, a sexual frequency experiment. Mm-hmm. And begin by each taking some time and determine how often would I like to have sex. You know, again, we're not given a number. Let's yeah. say per week. Hopefully you're having sex at least once it. a week, they say. <laughs> you know, it's like, how many times would you like? And then come back together and just share what you mm. kind of sensed in your heart. You know, Jack would really like to have this sex twice a week, and Diane would like to have sex five times a week. Mm-hmm. And then our next step is agree to meet the person with the higher frequency desire. Meet that need for 30 days. 30 Just days. for 30 days, give it a try. 30. And see what happens. Definitely. And yeah. then afterwards, the person with the lower desire, meet their need for yes. 30 days, and then go out on a date and say, There you go. How's our awesome. communication? Yeah. How's yeah. our spirit want us? How's our soul want us? How's our intimacy? Are we experiencing soulgasms? We've been experiencing orgasms. And it's it's a it's a you can't lose. We've walked through so many couples. So funny. Walked through There's this. people are like, wait, what? Yeah. You just said soulgasm. What's orgasm? A soulgasm? What's that? Yeah. That's our next book, soulgasm. Uh, but you there know, you go. buy we... the book. You know, like, <laughs> and here's the thing. We, again, what I want to tell people out there: don't get caught up in in some of the things. Both are great. You don't you don't just stick with one all the time. It's not always soul. It's not always or it's it. There's so much out there for you that you didn't know. And I think that's the thing, Laura and I could tell you. 
My dad growing up always said, Ryan, you don't know what you don't know. When I said, why should I go to college? I don't want to go to college. I don't want to do any of that. He goes, you don't know what you don't know. You have no idea what that's going to do for you until it's already over. And as an adult, I'm finding out I don't know what I don't know. Laura and I have a good marriage. And when we started seeing you, we had a good marriage. It wasn't off the charts. Great. It was a good marriage though. We were both happy. Our friends looked at us and said, Ryan and Laura are pretty happy. Divorce was not in our future. I had no idea how amazing it could be. I mm, just yeah, yeah. had no idea. And there are people out there and I was afraid to hope too. I've been through a divorce. I've been through a bad mm. marriage. And I got to tell you, the I look back at good and I'm just going to be honest. The mediocrity that we called good, I can't believe I was going to settle for that for the rest of my life. I hmm. just can't believe it. I was going to say it's uh, it'd be interesting to have a conversation with people that quantify their marriage as good because really, Ryan, what does good mean? Good mm-hmm. means is Average. that we're, we're committed, we're disciplined, we're good never... Good means not bad. Yeah. Good <laughs> That's means... what it means today. Good means not bad. How's your marriage? It's good. Really? What does that mean? It means we're not fighting. It means we don't have an active conflict going on right now i'll no, guarantee you yeah. the divorce now does <laughs> good mean here's what good doesn't mean How, do you have how's your marriage oh it's good and here's what that means we're having sex four or five times a week i mean we are up in each other's grills there is intimacy like i look at my parents and how would i describe their marriage it's it's crazy they adore each other my mom the other day told my dad she goes you know it brings me so much joy and he said what and she goes hearing the garage door at night mm. I know you're home. I'm so excited. I signed them onto my Netflix account, and it's so cute to see them watch movies. They've watched The Crown twice. They loved it so much they watched it back to back. That's how much time they're spending actively, regularly together. I can tell you how good my parents' marriage is because I look at their Netflix account. They love hanging out in bed watching movies. They Netflix love Netflix and chill. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Jim and Sh- I'm so in trouble now. Yeah, you are. Jim and Shirley, Netflix and chill. It's exactly it. They don't even know they what were. that means. But 81 and 80. Come on, They yeah, have an example. exceptional that's intimacy. marriage. That's, that's, right. that's knowing we fully know. Tim and Ann, what are we giving away? Are we giving away... Uh, we have a new... Uh, after we... Uh, published Naked, Reclaiming Sexual Intimacy in Marriage, and then the Naked Companion Journal. In the Companion Journal, the journal. at the end, is a sexual agreement. But since it's come out a couple months ago, people have asked, would you publish a separate book, just Naked Sexual Agreements? So that's what I'm holding in my hands. We can offer that to one of your listeners as well as the other books. And it's just a sexual agreement. We added a couple things about sexual preferences you nice. know, and that, but... You know, we don't give a lot of guarantees, but we guarantee when you invest in a tool like this and step into a sexual agreement yep. with your spouse, again, not in a military, unromantic, yeah. punitive way, mm-hmm. in a way to say, let's take a step in faith and see if we reap any benefits. Yeah. Well, how about in a positive way saying, let's grow up and take ownership and responsibility for the sexual dimension in our life. And why don't we sit down together and really fill out an agreement like adults do. They decide ahead of time what the plan is. And they do it in finances. We work out five times a week. A lot of times we don't feel like it. Yeah, It's like, but we do it because we've agreed to do it. And we know there's benefits. Mm-hmm. So we've agreed in our sexual intimacy as well. And sometimes Tim wants to work out four times a week and I want to work out three times a week or vice versa. And whenever one submits to the other and says, okay, I'll go ahead and go with you even though I don't feel like it, inevitably one of us says to each other in the car, I'm so glad that you encouraged me to do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, could that be true of sex too? Could we stretch ourselves a little bit and maybe find out something about ourselves that we didn't know? As an added incentive, mm-hmm. I just flipped to page 114 in Naked and it says the best benefits of experience orgasms okay sidebar 
you know, sex isn't just having orgasms, but it's a big, I would suggest a huge part of sexual intimacy. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, Orgasm releases the feel-good hormones of oxytocin and endorphins. A non-exhaustive list of 10 benefits to sex follows. One, counts as exercise. Two, important for heart health. Three, boosts the immune system. Four, brightens complexion. Laura, you're glowing this morning, by the way. Five, stress relief. Six, more sleep faster. Seven, lowers blood pressure. Eight, increased mental clarity. And nine, improves female bladder control. And 10, may reduce prostate Whoa, cancer. Oh, there we go. What? Bladder Yikes. control? That's amazing. Yikes, right out of the book. Come I got on, that, I have that, I have that <laughs> footnote. You benefits. can go to the footnote. Now, but there's benefits. benefits. God designed sex. God is pro-sex. It's like, but it takes a lot of work and energy. This was the biggest area in our first 10 years of marriage. Yeah was when the bedroom door closed. Right. But then for you got sure. healing, huh? You got Tim got healing then got and we're healing much better. I yeah, grew up and right? yeah, started, started working my family Throw boards and stuff. But we didn't fight about finances. Yeah. We didn't fight about parenting. We didn't yeah. fight about where we're going on vacation or what we we're going to purchase. It was sex. Yeah. And, and we went and got help and an older couple helped us walk through some of our issues. And there yeah. are, you know, books and tools and counselors available. You shouldn't be yeah. staying if you're unhappy you're in your alone. sex life. Make one decision today, listeners. Take one next step. Mm. Uh, take a leap and trust God to, to catch you. Yeah, absolutely. Amen. Tim and Ann, thank you so much for being here. It has been so, so great. Um, let's do this. We're going to, if you come to Rebel, go to rebelparenting.org, sign up for our newsletter, and we will send you to Tim and Ann's site to get why you and your spouse need to schedule sex and how to have it more frequently. We'll give that to you for free. It'll give you a little more in-depth look at what we're doing here. Also, catch me at Rebel Live every Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Facebook.com slash J. Ryan Dobson. And if you want to jump straight to Tim and Ann's website and pick up that PDF, you don't want to go through us. You can go to TimPlusAnn.com. That's T-I-M-P-L-U-S-A-N-N-E.com. And I highly encourage you to sign up for their newsletter. It will not spam you. You're not going to be like, oh my goodness, I can't believe another email from Tim and Ann. You'll be looking at your email box going, why are they emailing me? Every time we get something, it's such good stuff. My marriage gets better every time. And how we're going to close today is Tim and Ann are going to pray for all of you and the sexual health in your marriage. Thanks for listening to Rebel Parenting. God bless. We will see you next week. Wow. Thank you, Father. Thank you. We're you tell us in your word there were two or more gathered in your name. You're with us, in us, among us. So we honor you and thank you for your presence and your power. My sense is I just, as a man, as a spiritual dad, as a dad, as a grandpa, I just want to uh, in any way supernaturally to identify with a woman who's listening who's been hurt by a man. Maybe as a child, maybe in a family of origin, maybe in choices they made that uh, resulted in consequences they weren't anticipating or just regret or shame they have. Would you just supernaturally touch the heart of that woman right now and let her know that she's your beloved daughter, that she is made in your image, that you've been with her and you will continue to be throughout every moment, Lord. Encourage her to take one step, just impart some joy and favor and encouragement to her, Lord, in a double measure for your glory in Jesus' name. Yeah, Lord, and I just ask you to touch every listener and in any way that um, all of us listening need healing in any area, and you're using um, sexual intimacy as a wake-up call. Lord, would you wake them up from their slumber? Would you lead them to healing? Would you give them the courage to say yes to you? And Lord, we thank you for all the good gifts you've got for us. Amen. 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 Amen.